Okay, if you have Bibles with you, please open up to the Gospel in Matthew chapter 4. So for a few weeks now, I've been speaking on the topic of revival. We've looked at different historical revivals, and one of the common characteristics of these revivals is that uh, very often, not every single one of them, but often, uh, healing, where God would work in supernatural works of healing in the lives of people would be uh, indicators or aspects or signs uh, of these revivals. Now, we're a vineyard church, and healing is, um, is part of the vineyard's spiritual DNA. Uh, when I first was exposed to the vineyard back in the, in the mid-'80s, it was a major emphasis of nearly everything that they did. There was always times where um, there would be a... Matter of fact, even the term, and we use it to this day, ministry time. What we do after the, after the sermon is over uh, is that they pray for healing. That words of knowledge would be given, and then based upon those words of knowledge, we'd know who to pray for. Um, it was just a common uh, aspect of vineyard life. Uh, for As a vineyard church, healing is part of both our, our spiritual heritage and our inheritance. It's part of the, the baton that's been passed on to us. And it's something that I would very much like to see restored. I came across an old Francis Frangipan quote uh, this week. I used to have it, uh, before we moved here, last place you lived, I had it posted um, uh, above my desk. And it captured my attention this week, and it communicates well in my heart. And this is what it says. It says, I have called you not merely to prepare sermons, but to prepare people. There's a difference between preparing a message about God and preparing a people for God. I can tell you wholeheartedly as your pastor that the desire of my heart is not simply just to prepare messages to fill the space in our service on a Sunday morning. But I really want to do everything I can to prepare you. Uh, and not to just to educate you as Christians, but to prepare you as people who can have an intimate relationship with God. I want to help you know him better. So that's my heart week after week, to help prepare you for God. And so I'm going to begin a new series today on the topic of healing. And that's really what this series is all about, is help to prepare you for God. Um, this new series, it's been on my heart for a while. Um, I've had conversations with a few of you in recent weeks uh, concerning the topic of healing. And, um, and this week as I prepared, I prepare my messages on Thursdays. And as I was getting ready, really wasn't sure which direction to go, and I had a few options. And uh, Nadine prayed for me. Every time I get stuck, she prays for me, and I get unstuck. Thank you, babe. And so when I got unstuck, this is what he, uh, he highlighted for me. Talk about the topic of healing. So we'll probably do this for the next, oh, five or six weeks. Maybe longer. We'll see. And so what I want to do today is I want to lay a foundation. I want to make some foundational observations. I want to take a look. Uh, I want to explain to you why I want to look at healing and also how I want to look at the topic of healing. So later on, toward the end of my message, I'm going to be asking you, for words and knowledge, so that we can actually do it today. I don't want to just talk about it today. I want to make space to actually do uh, healing time. 
And so, uh, and usually how I've seen it work in the past, and the, the track I want to follow today is I'll ask you for words of knowledge, and then based upon the words of knowledge you get, we'll pray for those people. So for those of you who are familiar with that, or you've done that before, and I know a lot of you have, you're familiar with words of knowledge, start listening now. <laughs> As I'm speaking, start listening and see what, what the Lord will reveal to you. Uh, but let's begin with Scripture. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 uh, to 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and the people uh, brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, uh, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you give us, in the weeks to come, Lord, eyes that see your word anew. Show us what has been hidden under the traditions of men. Change us, O God. Do whatever it takes in us so that we can... Participate in healing the sick just like Jesus did. That we could do just the things that Jesus did. And Lord, I pray that even now you begin to speak in those of us here and speak to us words of knowledge so that there could be healing uh, this morning. Do it, Lord. Amen? So I want to start with some foundational observations. Healing was a part of Jesus' ministry from the very beginning. Looking at Matthew's Gospel, uh, we could see in Matthew chapter 3 that Jesus was baptized by John. That's chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Uh, then from there, he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, chapters 4, verses 1 to 11. From there, Jesus came out of the wilderness, and he began to preach. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. Verse 17 says this, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Right after that, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 to 22, records the calling of the disciples, Jesus' first disciples. And then after that uh, is the text I read this morning, verses 23 to 25. Jesus heals the sick. So we can see from the very beginning, from the starting of his ministry, he called disciples he preached and he began to heal the sick. It's one of the very first things he did. There's a connection between the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and healing. In Matthew, he likes to use the term a kingdom of heaven, while Mark, Luke, and John prefer the terminology the kingdom of God. From an understanding point of view, they're interchangeable. They're, they're communicating the same concept. It's not two different kingdoms. It's the same kingdom. They're interchangeable. What is the kingdom of God? Or the kingdom of heaven, depending on which gospel you're in. Well, in general, a kingdom is the sphere of a king's authority. How big is a kingdom? Well, how great is the influence and the sphere of authority of the king? That's, that's the kingdom. Random House Unabridged Dictionary defines the kingdom of God as the spiritual sovereignty, sovereignty of God or Christ, the dominion over which the spiritual sovereignty of God or Christ extends, whether in heaven 
or on earth. John Wimber had a wonderful definition for the kingdom of God. He defined it this. Wimber was the founder of the vineyard. He defined the kingdom of God as the dynamic reign of God, the assertion of God's authority over the evil one and his deeds. Let me say that again. This is how he described, John Wimber described, the kingdom of God as the dynamic reign of God, the assertion of God's authority over the evil one and his deeds. God steps in and he acts like God. And in that place is his kingdom. In Luke 17, verses 20 to 21, Jesus said this concerning the kingdom of God. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. Indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Every single one of you here, his kingdom lives and reigns inside of you. Why? Because that's where the king abides. He's come and he's made his home in our hearts. He has a sphere of authority over you because you've made him your king. Right? That being the case, as citizens of God's kingdoms, of God's kingdom, we are carriers of God's kingdom. For the king lives within us. So we, because he lives in us, because the kingdom is in us, Jesus said so, we can exercise and demonstrate the kingdom. We can exercise and demonstrate that dynamic reign of God and his authority over the evil one and his deeds. Now, we may not be doing it. We may not do it consistently. We may not do it effectively. But biblically, we can do it. I remember John Wimber teaching on healing once, and he said someone had come to him and said, I pray for people that don't get better. What's wrong? And he says, well, I can tell you this. The problem's not on God's end. <laughs> right? If, if healing is... If, how many of you guys have prayed for people and they not got healed? I've prayed for people and not got healed. Right? A lot of you have. Well, whatever the problem is, it's not on God's end. The, the full supply is there. The capabilities are there. The power, the authority... The, the supernatural, miraculous capabilities to see sick people get healed, it's fully there on God's end. It's the only place where it is. So sometimes there's a breakdown. I don't know. It's a kink in the spiritual hose. Call it what you will. Rotoruda. I don't know. But something breaks down, and there could be a myriad of explanations for it, but something doesn't translate or transmit or get passed on from his end to our end, from him living in us, from his kingdom in us, to a demonstration of it outside of us. Well, this is where I think we can learn things. We can study, we can experiment, we can practice, we can make mistakes, and we can actually get better. Anything that you do in life, all of us here, we have a variety of gifts and talents and abilities, right? All of us have started a new job and felt like we were in way over our head. Oh my God, I'll never learn how to do this. A few years down the line, You've mastered it. You're training somebody else as you move on to the next thing. Right? We have a bunch of musicians here. Could you, John, you remember the first time you tried to play guitar? I remember, oh my God, how am I ever going to be able to switch from a G to a C? It felt insurmountable. And I'd move one, I would have to count this finger on this fret and this string one finger at a time. And I got the C chord. Oh, I finally got it right. It sounds right when I strum. Now you want me to switch to a G? That's three different strings. Oh, my God, how am I ever going to do this? Well, you practice. 
right? And you practice and you practice and you practice, and then it's easy. You just learn how, right? So if I asked John to grab his guitar and switch from a G to a C, he could do it without even thinking right now, right? It would be effortless. You wouldn't even have to look at the neck. You could just hold the guitar in your hand, boom, it would go right there. I'd say switch to a G, boom, you'd be right there. He wouldn't have to think about it for one second. I think, this is my, this is my assumption, I think if we practice healing the sick, that it'll be hard in the beginning and then it'll get easier. Because just like anything else, we'll get better at it. We'll figure out where the kinks are. We'll learn how to hear God better and follow his lead better. I don't know. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be fun? If we prayed for sick people and they got better. This is my fantasy. I want to go over the QEH. I want to be, I want to so carry the power of God inside of me. I want healing to flow so freely and effortlessly through me that I could walk through the hallways and people would get, get healed and they not even know it was me. Better yet, I want to drive around a parking lot. And before people get out of their car, they got better and they don't even have to know I was there. I think that would be awesome. You, there are some scripture texts where it says Jesus healed everyone. Right? He'd go places that sick people would come or they were already there. And it said every single one of them got healed. And there are other texts of scripture that says that we would do the things he did and greater things. I don't know. I'm thinking driving around the parking lot at the hospital falls into that category of greater things. I'll be the first to admit I'm not there now. I've prayed for people and I've seen them get well and I'll share a couple stories in a little bit. And I pray for a lot of other people and not seen them get well. And most of the time, my explanation for it is, I don't know. I wish I knew. If I knew, I would change it so that they would get better, wouldn't you? But I think the scripture is right when it says healing is one of the aspects of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want to get better at it. How about you? So let's, let's take some time and we'll, we'll examine it. So much more can be said on the topic of the kingdom. I believe it's intrinsically linked to healing and probably deserves a sermon series of its own, but not, this, not right now, maybe sometime in the future. John Wimber used to talk about the proclamation and the demonstration of the kingdom and how Jesus was wonderful at both. He would proclaim the kingdom, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. That's the proclamation of the kingdom. And then he would demonstrate the kingdom. He would demonstrate that dynamic rule and reign of God by healing the sick and casting out demons. He would exercise, demonstrate the kingdom. Let's be honest. It's easier to talk the talk than it is to walk the walk. It's easier to do the proclamation than the demonstration. But I'm not satisfied with that. And um, I'm hoping that you aren't either. I don't know about you. I'd actually like to do this stuff. I believe that the gifts are for today, and we've, we've made space for that in a variety of different ways here. Let's make space for healing. So why do I want to look at healing? Well, I want to live a supernatural life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's not limited to, but it certainly does include healing. And personally, I feel a burden. I feel a call from God as a, as a pastor, as a leader. I feel this, this burden, that's the right word for it, to exhort you and to encourage you and to equip you also 
to live by the Spirit, to live supernatural lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. And healing is a wonderful demonstration of it. Now look, there's lots of ways that the Holy Spirit manifests. Some of them are, are less socially acceptable than others. But I'll tell you what, if sick people start getting healed when you pray for them, even, even unbelievers are going to be thrilled with that. Healing is quite socially acceptable among believers and non-believers. Anybody who's sick is going to be happier, feeling better, because you prayed for them. Right? So I want to live a supernatural life in the, Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to help you live supernatural lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's, it's much like Paul's exhortation to the Galatians. In chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Or verse 25, that same chapter 5 of Galatians, he says, Live by the Spirit and let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's what I want to do. That's how I want to live my life. I want to be so in tune with the Spirit that I just... That my rhythm matches his rhythm. My gait matches his gait. My steps match his steps. I've used this analogy before. Often, if Nadine and I are walking down the street together, we hold hands. If we're walking from the parking lot to the store, we always hold hands. We always do, right? We hold hands, and, and within two steps, if we're holding hands, our steps match, Right? And, and we land at the same time. I think that's what it's like to live by the Spirit. Or as Paul writes at the end of Galatians 5, what it's like to keep in step with the Spirit. We walk hand in hand with Him, and our tempo, our gait, matches His. I think it's an intimate thing. So why else do I want to do this? I feel like now is the time. It, to me, it feels like there is grace for healing in this spiritual season that now is a, is a good time for us as members of the Charlottetown Vineyard to learn how to live by the Spirit in this way. Um, and I think healing is, is one, of the, one of the ways that we can live by the Spirit. Why else? Well, the world's dark right now. Watching the news is a terrible thing. It seems like the world's getting crazier, that the darkness is getting darker. There's horrific things happening in the world. And it's sobering, and it's disheartening, and it's sad. However, I know this by faith, that the darker the darkness gets, the brighter the light shines. And that we are that light in the darkness. And we just saw it just a few days ago in Nice, right? Horrific terrorist attacks. Now, as the darkness gets darker, I think that there's much grace. There's great grace. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard, the scripture says. As, as the darkness of the world, as the darkness of the enemy encroaches, I believe it could be our greatest hour. It could be our finest hour to be light in the darkness. Paul said this in his letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 5. He says, you are the sons of the light and the sons of the day. We do not belong to the night, but to the darkness. In Matthew 4, 16, Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah at the start of his ministry, and he says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadows of death, a light has dawned. He's talking about us. He's talking about the life of his spirit in us. In John 9, 
verse 5, Jesus said that I am the light of the world. And in Matthew 5, 14, he says to us, you are the light of the world. Verse 16 in Matthew 5, we're exhorted by Jesus. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Healing is one of the ways that we can let our light, the light of the Spirit, the light of the kingdom of God, the light of the presence of God that lives within us, it's one of the ways that we can let our light shine in the darkness. And as dark as the world gets, this is my attitude. I don't think that we're to be afraid of the darkness. I think the darkness is to be afraid of us. <laughs> because light always annihilates the dark, always. And healing is just one more way that we can be light in dark places. Okay, still on the topic of why I want to do this. I believe that healing is a wonderful mixture of revelation and love. I think it's a practical demonstration of prophetic revelation and a manifestation of love. I've done lots of what I've called prophetic evangelism over the years where we would take rep people with revelatory gifts outside the four walls of the church and reach them for Christ little by little. And I've seen great impact from prophetic evangelism outreaches. I've learned valuable lessons concerning how evangelism is a process and how we can more effectively interact with the lost. How to do it with, not with having ulterior motives of church growth, but rather to transform lives. And I think that we can apply some of those same lessons I've learned for prophetic evangelism and use them in healing as well. I see it as the next steps beyond the things I've taught, like dream interpretation or giving prophetic words to people who don't know Christ, calling them life readings. Healing works hand in hand uh, with revelation. I, honestly, in my experience, and maybe it's different for others, but I've never seen healing work independent of revelation. What do I mean by that? God shows, shows you somehow, one way or another, he reveals to you there's revelation that there's a sick person that needs to be healed. God initiates, and he initiates with some form of communication, and then you act on that revelation, and the person's healed. Usually it comes in, in a form of a word of knowledge. Or you see something on a person, or you hear God tell you what to do. And so I know that there's a, there's a direct connection between prophetic and healing, between revelation and healing. And so I prepared this message on Thursday, and this morning I saw that Chuck Pierce posted a, a word online uh, sometime last night. And here's just one, one small piece of the word that he put out. I read it this morning. It encouraged me. And he's prophesying. He says, as the ancient of days, I'm releasing wisdom and understanding over my people. The prophetic movement and the healing movement are about to join hands in a way that the earth has never seen. Amen. Yeah. That's encouraging. I, look, week to week, I'm doing the best I can to prepare fresh bread for you. So I'll tell you, when I read something like that, after I've put time in preparing a message, saying there's a connection between revelation and healing, that a, you know, a credible prophetic voice would put out a word like that. And 
I think God sent it to me this morning and said, yeah, Tom, you're on target. This is what I want you to do today. This is what he has for us. There will be a, a joining. There's, there's prophetic movements, there's healing movements. I think God's going to allow those two to come together. In times past, um, I've seen prophetic teachers. There have been guys like Bob Mumford or John Sanford, amazing, uh, strong prophetic gifts, and they, it was married up with a very powerful teaching gift. And so prophetic teachers would would go forth across the land. There are other men uh, or ministers that could be added to that list, but just uh, an example. I've seen, um, I've seen movements where prophetic gifting and evangelistic gifting are matched together, and, and out of that have been birthed some wonderful stuff. There's all kinds of different people who go uh, and do prophetic evangelism outreaches and national events, and, um, and it's had a tremendous impact. We've got to pair of those giftings together. I think for the last decade or so, in my own life, God has shown me the significance of pairing um, prophetic ministry and pastoral ministry on how the words of God and the heart of God could come together in a very powerful and significant way to nurture people, especially people with revelatory gifts. And so here I, I believe that we're in a, another season where God's pairing gifts together. And I'll not be surprised if we see more and more where revelation and healing are being paired up together in a significant and a powerful way. So I agree. I agree with that word. That prophetic movement and healing movement are about to join hands in a way that the earth has never seen before. I say yes, Lord. <laughs> Let it be so. Let it be so here. Let it be with us. We want to play too. Yes, yes. Let us in on it, oh God. So how do I want to look at healing? Well, in the weeks to come, I'd like to look at gospel accounts of Jesus healing the sick and see how we can model uh, what we do after what he did. Jesus was really effective at healing the sick. Um, let's look at the text of Scripture. Let's see if we can glean from it um, some insights on how Jesus did what he did and then try and follow his lead. Um, I want to be more like Jesus. How about you? <laughs> He is our example. 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Um, Peter writes, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge, through our knowledge of Him. We need to know Him. We need to know Him. We need to know His ways. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may what? Participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world called, caused by evil desires. In his power, God has given us everything we need to participate with him. Well, I'd like to see us do that more. I'd like to see us do that more concerning healing the sick. I want more of that. How about you? Would you like some more of that? So uh, let me just share a couple of stories, um, times where it worked, where I prayed for people and they actually got better. I was working, um, I used to work as a janitor in a junior high school, and in the summertime, uh, school is out, we clean the whole building. It would get scrubbed. All the floors would get stripped, and, and they get uh, waxed. And, and so sometimes uh, in those settings, they would hire summer help. It's a big job. And the staff that you need to maintain the building throughout the year is not sufficient for this huge task that has to get done while school is out. And so we hired some help. If I remember correctly, the guy's name was Greg. 
And he was, he was just a really stereotypical guy from Brooklyn. He strong Brooklyn accent and stronger Brooklyn attitude. I don't know, I met him and I was just so on fire for Jesus. Like, I got to get this guy saved. I got to get him to know Jesus. And uh, he must have seen me coming like 100 miles away because anytime I'd, I'd even approach the topic, he would let me know in very clear Brooklyn terminology how he was not bleeping interested in <laughs> hearing about my Jesus. And so he would, he would blow me off. But I wouldn't get deterred. I'd just keep on trying. Now, it's getting down to the, 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 actually the school's back in session. They were keeping them on an extra couple of weeks. And um, I knew, you know, he was going to be leaving soon, and I just had to, felt this burden. I had to get him to know Jesus. And so one of the tasks that we had is we had to mop the cafeteria after, um, after lunch every day. And it was a huge room, maybe four times the size of the room that we're in now. We had to mop that whole floor. Well, this one particular day, I don't know what was wrong with Greg, but he had trouble with his shoulder. He was, in a, he was a big guy, but he was in enough pain that swinging a mop was very painful. And I said, Greg, why don't you just go back into the break room? I'll mop the floor. That's what I did. I just mopped the whole floor. And um, afterwards, I went back into the break room to see how he was doing. And I said to him, I said, Greg, can I pray for your shoulder? And I think... I think I wore him down. <laughs> and I think that he, um, I think he, he was moved by my kindness. That was a big job he got out of, right? And that he was going to throw me a bone. Fine, whatever. <laughs> you know, there was, his faith level was very low. Mine was kind of high, but his faith level was very low. It was like, fine, go ahead, pray for my shoulder. I remember him sitting there, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and my prayer lasted all of three seconds. Oh, God, heal Greg's shoulder. That's about all I did. And I could feel power go from my hand into his shoulder. And then it stopped. I, I don't know how else to describe it. There was, there was a sense of, there was energy, there was a touch from God that just, a surge, that's a good word, just moved through me into him. It took all of about three seconds. Oh, God, please heal Greg's shoulder. I said, and I took my hand off. I said, Greg, how do you feel? And he, he moves his shoulder around like this. And I can't even, I can't tell you what he said because he said bad words, right? <laughs> Jesus, holy, and he didn't say holy God. <laughs> and he moved his, old, his shoulder and he says, he says, I'm healed. He said, how did that happen? I said, it was God. That's amazing. I said, Greg, do you want to have God in your life? He says, yes, I want God. He accepted Jesus right then. Right? Awesome. All my months of pounding him and beating him and chasing him down and using every cheesy Christian cliche I could come up with. Completely ineffective. In three seconds, God touched him. That's God. That's, he's amazing. And he accepted Jesus. I remember it was years later. Because he, he left after that. Our lives went on different paths. And some years later, I'm, I'm working outside. I think I'm sweeping up outside in front of that school. And his car pulls up and beeps the horn. And I, you know, I Sometimes you have an encounter with somebody, you don't know what happens, right? And, the, and he rolls down the window, hey, Tom! It's, it's Greg. I said, how you doing? He said, I want you to know my life has never been the same. Wow. I said, dude, that's amazing. Thank you so much. He said, I know I gave you a hard time. He said, but I've been following God ever since. My life has changed. Oh, so awesome. So cool, right? Yeah. And, you know, the powerful impact of God healing somebody. <laughs> Man, I want more stories like that.
I don't have enough stories like that. Another story involves Nadine. I had gone away to a vineyard conference, and I remember Peter Wagner was at the conference, and at this stage of the game, uh, Peter Wagner used to love to pray about watching people's legs grow. If people had back trouble, maybe some of you heard Peter tell the story, have him sit in a chair, you put out your legs, and ask the legs to grow, and people get healed. Well, I get back from this amazing conference, and I just had a blast. This is a wonderful time. I get in the house, I'm all excited, telling Nadine all about the story of, of this and that, and the other thing that happened at this event, and while we're talking, she bends down to pick up something, and she gets frozen in that position. She hurt her back. She couldn't, she couldn't move. She couldn't straighten up. She was stuck. Anybody ever hurt your back so bad, you're just stuck in that position. That's exactly what happened. And so I, I, and I'm thinking, hey, I know what to do. <laughs> I had just gone to this conference. I know exactly what to do. I said, yeah, honey, sit in this chair. And she's thinking, oh, it hurts. <laughs> I sit in the chair. I'm going to pick your legs up. And sure enough, man, one leg was was sticking out further than the other. And so there's a short leg. I mean, I held them flat in my palms. I wasn't gripping her ankles, nothing. I just held them flat in my palms. I looked at the short one. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to grow. And I watched that foot do this. It just kind of twisted a little bit, and boom, it came out. And we were both amazed. I said, did you do that? She's like, no. She said, did you? I said, no. And her back was healed. God just did a God thing. It was awesome. Healing is fun. Now, I think getting there sometimes is, is, is difficult. I think people give up on the way. But getting there is worth it. So I'd like to get there. I'd like to work through whatever the hard part's going to be, the awkward part, the, the uncomfortable part, the mistakes part, to get there. Women said that they prayed for thousands of people before they saw the first one get healed. Thousands of people. He said, people are leaving this church. They're so upset that no one's getting healed. He, just, he says, in the book. If it's in the book, we should be able to do it too. But eventually, they saw sick people get healed. He said, one person came to him and complained, I've prayed for three people this week and nobody got healed. He said, come back to me after you prayed for a thousand people and we'll talk about it. Right? So I tried to make that G chord three times this week. I couldn't do it. Well, after you've played the G chord a thousand times, then we can, we can discuss it. I think there's something on our end that needs to adjust to how God does things. And we get breakthrough. So I, rem I reminded all of you last week how God's ways are not our ways. And sometimes I'm concerned that his methods and manner has been buried under many decades, even centuries, of our religious traditions and conditioning. So as a result, I think some of that actually hinders us from participating more fully in God's divine nature. I think we all have those spiritual blind spots and we're not even aware of them. And if we engage in this and continue in this process, some of that stuff will be revealed to us. And, and we'll have to decide that it needs to be pruned away. And I, I'm okay with that. You know, Jesus didn't pray the way we pray. You know, most of us, we pray for someone, and it's a long, it's a long prayer. Sometimes it's pretty flowery. It really sounds nice. But you'll see as we go through the Gospels, he didn't pray that way. You know? I think a lot of the times I pray, my prayers is to work up my faith. <laughs> I keep praying until I feel like I've connected or my faith is high enough that now I can actually ask for the thing I want to ask for. How about you? I think Jesus prayed from faith and in faith. He, he prayed confidently, fully trusting in the Father. 
Now, an, effect, an effective model I've seen in the vineyard, uh, I've been exposed to for 30 years now, is that first there were words of knowledge, and then we prayed for the people that the words of knowledge were about. First revelation, and then prayers for healing. So what is a word of knowledge? I think most of you know, but if you don't, it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. Uh, and these are those verses. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge. By means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Healing and words of knowledge are both gifts of Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. And these are given to us by God for the common good, and they're distributed as God determines. The Greek word here used for the, for the word knowledge is gnosis, and it simply means knowledge or understanding. And so when this gift is in operation, a person has insight or information or understanding that has not come about by any natural means. You suddenly know something that you could not have known in the natural. You only know it because God's revealed it to you. We simply know something by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you can receive words of knowledge in a variety of different ways. You can hear that still, small voice of God whisper information to you. Um, sometimes you can actually see it. You can visually get a word of knowledge and see something on another person. I had a good friend of mine who was a wonderful physician, friends of ours years ago in our West Virginia days, and people would come into his office. He had strong revelatory gift. And they come in complaining with this ailment or that ailment, but he would see a dark spot somewhere on their body. And so as he was ordering tests for the thing that they were complaining about, he'd, he'd ask for other tests concerning where he saw this dark spot. And i got to tell you, I can't, I can't even explain to you how many times people's lives were saved because of the revelation that he had. He would order a test for something, and later on they'd say, Doctor, what made you go look at that? Oh, well, you know, just had... Just had some insight. You wouldn't tell them, well, I saw this. When you came into my office, on this part of your body, I saw this dark, shadowy spot, and I knew there was a problem there. How do you explain that to your patient? But God, God very effectively used this man with the education and training he had and matched it up with revelatory gifts. My daughter is a mental health counselor. She tells me the story when she was going through training and uh, getting her master's degree in grad school. Um, she would sit down with, uh, with a client, and the professor and the other students in her cohort would be behind a two-way two mirror observing. Right? This is how you learn. You, you practice by doing, and then they would critique you afterwards. And she told me once, she said, Dad, sometimes it just feels like I'm cheating. I said, what do you mean? She says, I sit there, and the Holy Spirit reveals something to me, and I ask them a question. <laughs> and, it, and that's the question that just unpacks everything and leads us down a path that helps them get healed and whole and well. She said, and afterwards, the professor and the other members of the cohort said, Lisa, 
What made you ask that question? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> that has effectively paired up for her as well. Her, her education and training with revelatory gifts. Wouldn't that be fun? I know a story of a, of a woman who used to be an x-ray technician, and she helped people lay down on the table, get prepared for the x-ray. And as she did, she would, as she touched them, she would pray. The Holy Spirit would touch them. And she says, often, the patients would say to me, I feel a little dizzy <laughs> right now. It's okay, she'd say, it would pass. And she's just praying that they get healed. She would never, you don't have to explain it, right? You don't have to. They just get touched by the power of God. Well, how could the power of God become part of your world and what you do every day. Maybe you'll join me as I drive around the parking lot at, at QEH. Sometimes the word of knowledge comes and you feel pain in your body where somebody else is experiencing pain in their body. I think I've shared this story before, but I remember teaching on this topic years ago. Oh, I wasn't teaching on this I remember I get to church Sunday morning, I got a pain in my left thigh. And I have a scar on my thigh from when I was a teenager. I was riding my brother's bike and I crashed and, and the, the handbrake just cut through my leg. Probably needed stitches, but never got it. So here it is, like 30 years later, and this thing has never bothered me, but I'm sitting there that morning and that scar is killing me. Right? And now from all my teaching and studies and dream interpretation, different things, different parts of the body have significance for me. And so I know that the left side of the body has to do with destiny. I know that the thigh can represent faith. And so the, the whole service, this, this thing is bothering me, and I'm wondering what this is about. And it wasn't until I got up to speak that I realized, oh, maybe this is spiritual. Maybe this is a word of knowledge. At first I thought, what's wrong with my leg? That was my first thought. What is wrong with my leg? And then I said, hey, is there anybody here that you're dealing with a 30-year-old wound that's hampering your faith for your destiny. And instantly, one guy in the room, and it wasn't a group much larger than this, got up and walked forward. A friend of mine. I had no idea this is what he was dealing with. We prayed for him. He felt better, and my leg has never hurt again since. God gave me an emphatic word of knowledge. He gave me a pain in my body. I was able to interpret what it meant, and that was how it identified who it was going to minister to. Sometimes you'll get a pain in your body. Hey, my knee hurts. It's because somebody else in the room, their knee hurts. Right? And that's how we know who to pray for. Sometimes we can feel another person's emotions. We can feel their emotions in our spirit. That can be overwhelming at times. It can be pretty confusing at, time, at times. I know that there have been times in my life where there's a heightened sense of awareness of the realm of the spirit. And I really can't go to places like Walmart, for example. There's just too many people. There are times I go in there, it's like my radar is on full blast, and there's a woman whose heart is broken three aisles over, and I just, I can't even, I'll pray for her, but i got to get out of the building. It's crushing me. When I used to travel a lot and fly in airplanes. When I was in moments like that, I'm, you're trapped at 30,000 feet. You cannot leave the plane, <laughs> right? And that'll figure out ways to, how do I adjust my spiritual radar so that I'm not getting devastated for hours? But sometimes you get a word of knowledge, you can feel another person's pain. You can feel in your spirit what's going on in theirs. Discernment is essential, right? Otherwise you're thinking, what is wrong with me? I've never felt, I've never felt discouraged like, like this before. I've never felt lonely like this before. I've never felt, fill in the gap. 
I've never been angry like this before. Where is this coming from? No, maybe it's not your stuff. Maybe you're feeling somebody else's stuff and it's for the purpose of, of intercession. <coughs> Sometimes you can see things. You can see words. A word of knowledge can come. You can see like a word across somebody's forehead or as if it's just like a news headline printed across their shirt. I know some people who can smell in the spirit and they smell certain things and they know it means something to them. Others taste in the spirit. And they get that taste in their mouth that means something to them. Words and knowledge can come incrementally. I've seen this come. I've seen them come this way. Especially in a ministry setting like this in front of a group of people. Someone says, um, there's somebody in the room and they have pain in their side. And that's the first piece of revelation you get. And nobody responds. You're thinking, hmm. Okay, it's on the left side of your body that you feel the pain. And nobody responds. <laughs> okay, there's a pain on your left side, and it's a man. It's not a woman. I just have this sense of knowing that it's a man. And you're sitting on the right side of the room. And you've had the pain for two weeks, and you haven't told anybody about it. <laughs> and so it just comes another piece, another piece, another piece. And still a person doesn't come up, but afterwards they're like, yeah, that was really me. I just didn't want to come up in front of everybody. And you're like, I want to strangle you. You know how much faith I was exercising? How risky it was to take that leap of faith? If it's you, please say it's you. <laughs> oh, goodness. Sometimes you just have a strong sense of knowing. You just know that you know. How do you know? I don't know. I just know that this is what God wants to do right now. And what do you do with that? You get, you get this revelation. God communicates through a word of knowledge, one way, shape, form, or another. The, the information is passed to you, and now you have to decide what you're going to do with it. Will I take a leap of faith? Will I risk? Will I act on it? Jesus had words of knowledge. Years ago, when uh, we looked at John uh, chapter 4, that tells the story of Jesus with the woman at the well. Right? The disciples will get lunch. Jesus is hanging out at the well, has a conversation with the Samaritan woman. In it, he tells her, he says, uh, you've been married five times. And the man you're with now is not your husband. <laughs> How did he know that? Right? Jesus didn't regularly hang out in Samaria. They were passing through. And the woman said to him, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> she knew that there was no other way he could possibly know these uh, accurate details about her life. It was her word of knowledge. So what I'd like us to do this morning is I'd like us to practice healing the sick now. Right? I don't want to just give you information. Let's do it. Let's take some time to do it. I, wanna, I want this to be a safe place. Let's all of us agree, allowing this to be a safe place for us to, to practice, to experiment, and even to make mistakes. Because anything that we do, anything that we do that we've never done before, we're going to make mistakes in the beginning. And I'm okay with that. I'd like you to be okay with it as well. My good friend Jim Driscoll says that we need to become good at doing things badly. The people need to become good. I think I have that aside for that. That we need to become good at doing things badly. What does he mean by that? That we should always do things badly? No. He says, most of us are not good. We don't start things. We don't try new things because we're not good at doing things badly. We feel so uncomfortable. Anybody else here a perfectionist? I'm a firstborn son, raised. Everything has to be per perfect all the time, no matter what. Right? We hate doing things badly. We hate it. I can remember my daughter's firstborn, poor girl, passed it on to her. I remember as a little kid, we had a family picnic. And all of her cousins are out there playing some game. And here she is, she's kind of like half hiding behind a tree. 
I said, Lisa, what are you doing? Nothing. I said, why don't you go play? No, no, I don't want to go play yet. Well, why not? Because I don't know the rules to that game. I don't know the rules to that game. When I figure out all the rules to the game, then I'll go play. Poor perfectionistic child, right? Has to do it perfectly the first time out. Our teacher told us about it when she was like kindergarten or first grade. And, and they used to have this system, if you misbehaved, you got a mark on the board, three marks, and then you got some detention or punishment assignment or, or your parents got called, right? Lisa never had a mark on the board. She forget getting three of them. She never had one until this one day. <laughs> and the teacher tells us they put one mark on the board. And Lisa lost it. She just crumbled that she had a mark on, on the board. She's like, Lisa, I'll erase the mark. It's okay. You know, whatever it was, you know, she's a perfectionist. Lisa was not good at doing things badly. She's always done things well. Well, if we want to learn how to heal the sick, guys, we have to be okay. We have to be a people who are good at doing things badly before we can ever do things better. Now, many of you have had words of knowledge in the past. Many of you have prayed for someone to get better. So let's take some time now to listen to God and practice healing for the sick. I'm going to pray, and then I'll ask who here has a word of knowledge, and we'll take it from there. I'll just kind of facilitate uh, where we go from here. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We're, we're, we acknowledge your presence. We're aware that you're here, oh God, and we're so grateful. Lord, I ask that you would release the gifts of your Spirit in this room, that you would stir up the gifts that are already present within your people. Lord, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we'd know you better, that we'd know your heart better and your mind better and your ways better, that we'd know better right now what it is you want to do. And Lord, I pray especially that you would give us right now gifts for words and knowledge, and that you would stir up gifting for healing the sick. Do it, Lord. Give us words of knowledge. And Lord, give us anointing for healing the sick. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Okay, does anybody have a word of knowledge? And you got a word of knowledge? Shocking. I know, right? <laughs> Is this on? Yeah, it should be. Um, I feel like um, there's a couple things that, I don't know, these are the first. Um, I feel it was really oppressed upon my spirit that though some of these things might be for specific people, other people can grab them too, right? Like God's big God. So even though he's calling out Aunt Teresa in the back and you have that same problem, you can still grab that, right? Um, yeah. I feel like there's something else, but it might come to me. The first thing I got when I call people out. <laughs> sure. Um, Marsha, when I looked at you earlier, I was really feeling a lot of eye pain and strain. Do you get like a lot of pain in your eyes? Yeah. So that was the first thing I noticed this morning. I was getting a lot of pain in my eye. And for me, sometimes I'll get it in the right, but it might be the left because I like 
Sometimes it's the same eye with me, and sometimes it's the opposite. Because when you pray for somebody, like my right is your left, right? So I, so if I'm saying right, it might actually be your left, if that makes sense. Um, so that was the first thing. The second thing that I got was a, a pain in the back of my head. It was really sharp. It was really stabbing. Um, that was the second thing, is that this might be something that you have right now, or this might be something that you're struggling with overall, right? So you might not necessarily have a pain in the back of your head right now, but maybe you have a recurring headache that you've been dealing with. It was really painful. It was kind of like on the side at the back. Do you know who that's for? No, I don't. I don't is that for anybody here? Anybody have pain in the back of your head or reoccurring headaches? I will say, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to stand up. So if you don't want people to know your stuff, that's okay. God knows your stuff anyway. So maybe you want to wait until the end. Is that okay? Sure. Sometimes people just are embarrassed to be the first one to stand up. Um, this, the, another one that I got was a pain in the low back, and it was kind of on the side of like the, is that yeah, okay, back? so, the, and there was a picture that went along with this, so this is where it might be more than one word, it was kind of like, okay, so you have the discs, right, and then there's those little things that kind of stick out on the side, I don't know what the technical term is for, but it kind of sticks out of the side of the disc, and they can kind of rub together and grind and wear down, and so I feel like there was some kind of injury there, Maybe Teresa, I don't know, like a rubbing of the, I don't know, the, well, the sock, like it's, yeah, this like little, the little thing that sticks out of the vertebrae. Okay, we'll go with vertebrae, I don't know. So that was, that might be connected. Um, Tom, <laughs> I've been staring at you all day, dude, and you have this giant nose in the spirit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know that the nose means discernment, so I think that God is going to increase your discernment. Thank you. Um, that's why I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> so I looked at him. He had this, you know, the, like the big glasses with the big giant nose and the mustache. That's kind of like what it was for me. It was, it, yeah, right. He really does. Um, what I got so much today, I got a sense of um, relationship, like uh, that a relationship has gone cold. It could be familial, it could be marital, it could be some kind of problems with relationship anyway. There's like a distance maybe. Um, Russ, I don't mean to call you out, but I feel like, because I was sitting right behind you, I kept hearing gunshots um, and like some nerve things, so I feel like God's maybe wanting to heal you of some stuff there. Um, what else do I have? Just in a really immense sadness. Like sometimes it's really hard just to even get out of bed in the morning. I got a sense of a bladder problem, like a sudden urge or frequency, or maybe a recurring infection, like bladder infections or some kind of bladder issue. And the last thing was a pain on kind of on the inside of the knee. Again, it could be the left or the right, I don't know, but it was like a, like a little bit inside. Cool. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Okay, so this is um this is what I'd like to do. Uh, let's just pay attention to God for a second again. Just give Him our attention. That was a lot. That was a lot of words and knowledge all at once, right? So just give Him our undivided attention for a second. So 
And sometimes when the Spirit of God is present, and He certainly is now, um, one of the ways that we can sense it is that we can feel a weightiness on our hands or a tingling, sometimes on our hands or our face, sometimes on our chest. Does anybody have that sense of tingling on your hands? Carolyn, anybody else? Nadine and Mike? Okay, so this is what I'd like to see happen. Um, if, you, if any of the, the words of knowledge that Angie had were for you, any one of them, then why don't you guys just go onto the side over there. And those of you who have tingling in your hands, you go pray for those people. Okay? Tingling on the hands can be a sign that there's, there's a presence for, for healing. Right? There's different gifts. Some people get words of knowledge. Some people get gifts for healing. So... And then just praise the Holy Spirit leads you. So if the word of knowledge were for you, then stay on the side there. And if you had a tingling in your hands, just this is how I think it works best. Lord, who do you want me to pray for? And then go pray for that person. And pray for them the way you'd want them to pray for you. All right, that's good. Does anybody else have a word of knowledge? Did you hear anything or sense anything? Maybe... Maybe you didn't get five or six of them like Angie did. Maybe you got one thing. What'd you get, John? This is uh, weird, I guess. <laughs> a little uncomfortable. Um, I don't know. Like when we started to pray, I had like one image just kind of sheeted to my mind. I don't know why I did, but I see... Somebody's stomach. And I think it was a woman because they had no hair. <laughs> I don't know my belly's hair. <laughs> a hairless stomach. <laughs> a hairless stomach. And, and I could see the left side of the, the belly button. I don't know if this is like total random specific kind of. I could just see. It was almost like a spot, like you said, or uh -huh. someone was pointing to it, or so. I don't know. That's, that's, what I that's good, John. I don't know. Left side, um, a woman's belly button. Okay. <laughs> Is there anybody here? It could it could be a woman, where um, there you know that there's a problem with um, some some area of the midsection, and you know that there's a problem to the left of what of where the belly button is. Does that fit anybody? You know you have a problem with that part of your body? Could be a man or a woman. Okay. It was just it was very strange when we started to pray. Okay. And then I had this like image shoot into my mind. So like that is like totally random. Where did that come from? Thanks, John. If that's you, please uh Please let John know. It could be it could be somebody who's already being prayed for. Yeah. John, would you go help them pray for folks over there? It looks like there's still some people waiting for prayer. Anybody else have a word of knowledge? God revealed something to you when we prayed this morning, and you'd like to share it. Anybody? Okay. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was on the right side. Okay. Anybody having trouble with their right ear? Something on the inner part of the ear? Is that you, Sam? Yeah. Yeah? Awesome. Would you pray for Sam? 
And make sure somebody prays for you for whatever it was you need to pray for. All right, hey, this is a great beginning. Carolyn, do you have a, yeah. something? Um, so at the beginning of the service this morning, uh, I had a picture, a visual picture, and it was, um, I guess maybe because I flew into the, on the island this week, the Lord used it. Um, but I was, I was in the spirit, and I was above PEI coming into the harbor, and I was looking over the city of Charlottetown. And as, as I was looking over the city, oh, as I was, as I was, sorry, just give me a sec. As I was looking over the city, there was this kind of like a cloud formation and this like a breath of God that was just literally blowing with all its might over the city. And I just felt really strongly, and I guess part of this has been going on with me too personally, but I think in this church, there's many of us in these seats that have things deep, deep embedded in our emotions uh, that God wants to touch. And two weeks ago, I felt that my dad has passed 38 years. And two weeks ago, when Father's Day was on, I never, I never knew I needed healing, emotional healing, deep down in my heart still about my dad's death. And it just came out of nowhere, totally surprised me. Uh, I was just like, okay, God, what's this about? And I really feel very, very strong. The breath of God is coming to this city. One of the things that we've struggled with this island is depression. Depression, oppression, and a fog, a fog that is settled over this area. And I believe the wind of God is here. It's blowing. And it's coming in a fashion that's going to heal us in areas of our minds and our emotions where we don't even know that we're broken. <laughs> Some of this comes out of um, just simple pain that we've endured. Some of it's come out of maybe the offenses that we don't even know we're holding on to. Or some of it comes out of areas of unforgiveness we don't even know we have. But I'll tell you, God is coming with his breath I saw it this morning. I've had a few other dreams about the breath of God coming to us as well. And it was for me, but it was for, I believe, our church. I believe our city. I believe our province. And I actually believe our nation. That's great. So we see that. Thank you, Karen. Okay? Yeah, awesome. Uh, Revelation 22, 1 and 2 talks about the nation of Canada and the healing anointing that we are going to have on the earth. And I believe we're going to have it as a country as well. There's no uh, small reason why the maple leaf is a symbol of our country. And the trees are, are for the healing of the nation. If you're interested in praying into that for our nation, it's there, God. So just be encouraged. God is on the move. Thank you, Carolyn. So I think there's a pretty good, a pretty good stock today. We got to... Um, we got to experiment with words and knowledge, and we got uh, to pray for people. Um, did you get prayer? Okay. All right, so I want to give you some homework this week as you go home. Uh, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to uh, read through the Gospel of Mark and take special notice in Mark's Gospel on how Jesus healed the sick. What did he do? What didn't he do? You might find it helpful to read parallel verses 
in uh, Matthew and Luke uh, to gain a full picture. So your homework is to read through Mark's Gospel and, and pay special attention to uh, when Jesus healed people, how he did it, how he didn't do it. So let's pray. John, if you come up to lead us in a final song. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you for showing up this morning, for the words and knowledge that came this morning, and for the people who received prayer. Lord, I pray that you would teach us, as your sons and daughters, how to live by the Spirit. Lord, make us to be very practical, very effective light in the midst of darkness. Lord, show us how to heal the sick the way you did. Set us free, Lord, from the traditions of man and religion. Lord, make us holy. Keep us humble. Lord, I pray that you would empower us with your spirit to fulfill your mission, to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.